Minnesota and the world have been in mourning in the days since Prince suddenly and shockingly passed away at his Paisley Park home and studio. So much has been said, written, and speculated about how he lived his life. One thing that most seem to agree on, Prince clearly had a significant impact on his home state, and Minnesota helped shape his creativity and who he was. One person who watched, listened, and talked to the Minnesota music icon from the beginning is former City Pages and Twin Cities reader music editor Martin Keller. I recently spoke to Keller about his long and fascinating relationship with the man who created the soundtrack to our lives, Prince. Well, I met Prince in, I think it was right after his first album came out when he was roughly 17, very shy teenager. I think most of the interview we did was conducted on the uh, kitchen floor of Bobby Z, his drummer's uh, apartment, which was over by Lake Calhoun at that time. Uh, very difficult to get uh, solid answers out of him. In fact, I w- worried whether or not I, I even had enough uh, quotes for a story, but turns out I, I did get enough. And and then just followed his career through the City Pages era uh, up and up until the you know the mid '80s, the Purple Rain period, into the late '80s the emancipation period in the early 90s, uh, where I interviewed him again one-on-one at Paisley Park. And, you know, he had grown up quite a bit, very mature, well-spoken, funny, charming, gave me a nice personalized tour of Paisley Park. And I wrote that uh, cover story for Minnesota Monthly. Uh, This was the period where he was at war with Warner Brothers and trying to, you know, get his master's back and was writing Slave on his cheek and using the uh, un- un- unpronounceable glyph as a uh, as a name. So I had roughly, you know, 20 solid years of contact. I went to birthday parties you know, through at the prom, the late great prom center over in St. Paul. I think it was right off university and uh, went to the, pre- the Purple Rain premiere. And, you know, after the 90s, I was kind of out of the writing business and doing uh, more public relations. And, of course, I'm I'm an older gentleman now, and I didn't uh, participate in any of the, you know, the pajama parties at Paisley, although they sound like a lot of fun. That's just too late for an old dog like me. But that's uh, kind of my uh, relationship with him, and I obviously followed his career from a distance rather than up close when I was uh, covering the beat. Martin, is there something about those early days? You talked about how shy he was in the first meeting, not even necessarily knowing if you were going to have anything that would be usable. Was there something about him, though, that struck you then that knew it was worth trying to figure him out or talk to him or learn more about him? Well, Prince's music spoke for itself, and it spoke volumes. Um, City Pages has posted uh, this week all of the for four decades of coverage, and I went back and uh, revisited a lot of the stuff I'd written about him, and everything was about the uh, powerful, powerful uh, ability to play and write songs in just about any genre. Of course, he could play all the instruments on his albums and usually did, and was a uh, master in the studio at the production board, and, uh, you know, he... I think broke down a lot of musical barriers, blurred the lines between rock, funk, soul, and R&B, 
And, uh, of course, his performances are legendary. I mean, I don't think we're going to see another performer like him ever. Uh, he did James Brown better than James Brown. He did Mick Jagger better than Mick Jagger. And uh, he was just uh, an incendiary uh, live performer and entertainer and uh, incredibly gifted musician. You know, I think he could have played classical music if he wanted to. So, really, the, it, it was all about the music and... I think any interview you'll read with him, he, he has said as much. As somebody who had a relationship with him throughout the decades, he's obviously got a reputation as somebody mysterious and shy, as you mentioned the, uh, upon meeting him for that first time. In your dealings with him, is there something that you learned about him that the rest of us are, are getting wrong about Prince, that you know about him or that you perceive that is, is misunderstood about him? That's a good question. You know, I've heard that question asked uh, differently uh, over the past week uh, since he passed on. And, um, you know, I'm not sure. Um, it's hard to know uh, with with a person like Prince where his private life and his public life begin and end uh, because uh at, at one point, you know, he he's very reclusive. Paisley Park is really kind of a compound uh, when you look at it. Uh, when it was first built, you know, it was it was built at a time where that part of Chanhassen was still roughly, you know, Paisley was right on the edge of uh, the cornfields, and and it was a you know, an, an ironic looking uh, complex to say the least. But I'm just curious because there's he has such a reputation as being someone who is cryptic, mysterious, obviously genius, very unique as a talent. But as somebody who had developed a relationship with him over the years, is there something was there something normal about him in your dealings with him that is would maybe be surprising to people or or that would give people a different understanding of a, a, a more well-rounded person than just who we think Prince is? Well, it's hard to uh, attribute normalcy to a you know a, a guy like Prince, who's obviously a workaholic, and that you know that can be a very bad thing. And somebody, if they do it repetitively, uh, year, year after year after year, but yet that's the way he produced such the such a treasure trove of uh, recordings. You know, all those uh, discussions about the vault at Paisley. I mean, he. Um, apparently had hundreds if not thousands of songs or demos already in the can in the in the 80s i would hear stuff from jimmy jam or terry lewis or some of the folks in the revolution you know like prince could be putting out records uh he could put out three records a year if he wanted to for the next 10 or 20 years and and that was then i mean we're 35 years down the road from that period so but, you know, I think uh, I heard a lot of great stories about him, you know, uh, how he liked to relax on the basketball court and was an excellent basketball player. And, uh, you know, there's been some recent video of him riding his bicycle around Chanhassen and over in the Paisley Park parking lot. I mean, that's that's a normal thing people do. And But uh, I think anytime you've got... Uh, a very sort of introverted personality with uh, that much uh, superlative talent, uh, who doesn't like to interact with the with the media or the press, which he did not early in the in his career. 
Um, you're you're going to get uh, lots of mythologies, true or false, built up around that personality. I mean, it's a lot like uh, I think Prince, in some ways, took a page from the Bob Dylan uh, uh, career. You know, Dylan was uh, mysteriously elusive and reclusive, and didn't really talk to the press. Didn't really need the press to survive. Uh, his his work spoke for itself, and I think at the end of the day, that's the same thing could be said of Prince. Martin, did you ever wonder, or did he ever express to you explicitly why he trusted you or managed to, to talk to you over all those years? Well, you know, my encounters were, with him officially were probably the, the three or four times I had, I was in interview situations with him, but, you know, I would run into him Socially at First Avenue, I went to a couple of his birthday parties at the prom. Uh, I was uh, told by Lisa Coleman from the Revolution back in the day that Prince really felt I was his biggest supporter in town, at least in the press. And I think that you know that goes a long way toward establishing a certain level of trust. Uh, obviously, John Bream at the Star Tribune has logged many more hours of FaceTime with him and spent more time around the camp, if you will. But, um, you know, my relationship was a healthy one with him, although uh, I hadn't seen or talked to him in probably 10 or 15 years. But um, I, I think if I would have run into him, he would have remembered me. He's had that kind of memory, and uh, um, I wrote good things about him. I think I wrote honest things about him. Uh, I was I was the guy for better or worse who who uh, coined the term his royal badness, which kind of had took on its own cultural currency through the years, and it's a headline that's been used time and again. And I, I think he liked that. Uh, I know people around him liked it. Knowing that he had the feedback that, that you had been supportive of him, did you as a professional feel pressure then to, to remain supportive or were there times when you didn't agree with the direction he was going in and uh, was was that ever a conflict for you to, to report it that way? No, you know, I when I covered Prince, I, I covered him like any other artist. I was I wrote a lot of record reviews of his new releases and frankly i don't think there were any albums that i didn't didn't like for whatever reason um i i do um remember that uh, as he was becoming a international superstar after purple rain you know if prince dropped a guitar pick we covered it everybody covered it <laughs> whether you wanted to or not. And, uh, you know, he, as we used to say in the print business, he was great copy, and um, there was never... I didn't I didn't really have any reason to go negative on him, uh, which is rare. I mean, people consistently don't put out work at the, at the level that he was producing it without making a mistake. I mean, his stuff was, was almost flawless from through the years. I mean, I think some of the stuff later in the early 2000s probably didn't have the 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 reach or the edge that some of the earlier stuff did, but what did he make, 39 albums? 
that we're aware of. Uh, right. You know, the bulk of those are, are pretty, pretty, pretty great uh, pop music uh, documents. You did mention earlier on that he had a great sense of humor, and that's something that I've heard from a lot of folks. Can you give me an example of something that he did that particularly demonstrated that he had a good sense of humor? Well, I've heard a lot of stories about Prince being this uh, great prankster, and I, I was never <laughs> the victim of one of his pranks or jokes, but I just watched a clip online the other night uh, of him on Jay Leno, and apparently earlier in the day when he was there for a rehearsal, waiting to do a rehearsal with the band, he got a hold of Leno's uh, cell number and called called him and pretended to be uh, one of the work you know worker bees in the NBC studios who wanted to come up and fix the swivel on his chair. <laughs> and Leno totally bought it and <laughs> hook line and sinker and then they joked about it on the air and Prince did the voice that he used. So, I mean, it was, it was that kind of thing that uh, I think that's a side of him people didn't really know, and they, of course they never really saw it uh, live from the stage. I think on stage it was all about the, the badness. It was all getting down to business and entertaining and putting on these just incredibly uh, athletic shows, and the bands were so tight. Every band he worked with, he, he rehearsed so so much. I mean, he was he was a disciplined taskmaster, and he expected uh, the people around him to to play as proficiently and tightly as he did and to work as hard as he did. I grew up in the suburbs of St. Paul, and I, like many of the people that I've talked to in the days since his passing, his music was the soundtrack to my life, as many have said. I know you know, any time when I was a kid out driving around or a teenager, and any time we saw a limo, we said, that must be Prince. It was like he was he was the mythological big shot in Minnesota, and he is more that now than ever before, and I know that this is probably difficult for you to do, but uh, give me your thoughts as somebody who knows quite a bit about him and knew quite a bit about him and wrote about him. What do you think in these recent days since his passing, his his legacy is for the for the state of Minnesota and for the city of Minneapolis? Is that something you can summarize? Well, again, that's a good question. I, um, you know, the legacy is the music. Uh, the fact that he wanted to stay here and did stay here, uh, aside from having homes in Los Angeles and Toronto uh, over the years, I I just think the fact that uh, he remained true to his roots. Uh, he learned a lot here growing up. I was rereading my Minnesota Monthly cover story from 97, and, you know, there was a quote in there about him saying, I got the best of both worlds here. I could see the the equality and the inequality. I could see the racism and the and the acceptance. Uh, I, I uh, you know... Prince grew up in probably the second most conservative radio market in the country, but he said even that was a plus um, because it forced him to uh, explore other music and uh, to blend the sort of uh, stuff that he heard on uh, KQRS, for example, after midnight. They have a little freer format, and he heard everything from Joni Mitchell, the Grand Funk Railroad, to some of the you know classic R and B artists of of the time and early earlier. So, 
you know, he absorbed those influences and, and uh, you know, he made the comment that I, I asked him, you know, why are you still here? And, he, you know, paraphrasing, he said, uh, I think God put you in a place where you're supposed to be and that's where you should stay and that's why I'm I'm still here. We were talking earlier about some funny stuff. I I, I just want to go back to that because I just had this memory pop in my head. I, sure. Remember going down to a, uh, I think it was a rehearsal at the, uh, was it the Superdome? I think it was the Superdome for something. And uh, he pulled up in a BMW with Vanity, his girlfriend at the time, and the lead singer in the Vanity Six group that he um, brought to life. And he was trying to parallel park and he. He saw a couple of us, I think I was there with a couple other journalist friends, and he could see us, and we were watching him, and he, you know, went up on the curb twice and <laughs> and sort of like winced, like, oh, they're watching me parallel park, and I'm totally blowing it. And, you know, the guy was a human human being, and uh, when you see those little sides of Prince, you go, yeah, he's one of us, but at the same time, uh, he was... He was not really one of us. He was a very unique and rare individual, and we were lucky to have him for as long as we did. Martin, I'm pretty sure that that's the first instance of a Prince parallel parking story that I've heard ever. <laughs> so. Well, I'm not sure why it occurred to me, but it was a pretty vivid memory and a pretty funny occasion, actually. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. I've enjoyed it, and I appreciate Thank it. Thank you, Scott.